What's happening, you beautiful bastards? My name is Austin with Block Bites, and welcome to The Daily Show. And we have got one hell of a show for you today. So we are going to be diving in to this debt ceiling shit. We are going to find out what it means for crypto, what it means for liquidity. I'm pretty sure there's a bull run going on in China, and we're going to figure out where the hell that's coming from and exactly what that means for all of us over here in the West. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, people on Twitter love being parted with their money. They love it so much so that they're sending millions of dollars to anonymous profiles with a promise of nothing in return. What does this mean? What's the psychology behind it? That's the shit we're going to be diving into. We got Bebus on the show. We got Corval and his glorious mustache on the show. And for the first time ever, Mikey, the intern, is going to be joining us on the show today. Mikey. Take us into this show, brother. Let's do this. Yo. Hello. What's happening? Let me introduce you all to Mikey. Who thought he was only going to come on for a segment, apparently, but he's here for the entire show. Don't think you're getting out of this. I don't know. What do you think is going on around here, Mikey? Gentlemen, Magic how's everybody Mikey. doing? Corval, hey, your mustache is awesome. like glorious Thank today, dude. Thank you so much. It's so good. <laughs> it's so freaking good. Beavis, somebody, who was it? Wait, wait. What happened there? Is that, you got what? a half stash? Do you have, are you missing? You were oh, well, this mustache, whenever I'm like really focused, sometimes I like twiddle my mustache. Mm-hmm. And, and this this past two weeks, I've been like hyper focused. Uh, and like the other day, my girlfriend, she like squints at me and I'm like, what? And she's like, dude, you only have light hairs left on your mustache. <laughs> he knows I do this. And then I was like wait what and then like goober dude. comes and like dude you have like a half hitler mustache and i was like oh my god beavis we know this how is, you are based on your mustache this is my this is my reality uh but oh my <laughs> god let's uh let's introduce mikey real quick so mikey's been how long you've been with us mikey you've been the man but you've been like our wizard of oz behind the curtain here for a little while since how long January. you been doing that since January. Okay, so you're still alive six months later. That's good. So before you got to us, you were working with Harmony Protocol. Mm-hmm. You've just been kind of a man about town. Uh, <laughs> you were with us in in, in uh, January at Quantum. You were kind of like our the glue that held us all together. And so Mikey has always been a part of our prep calls. Like he's always on our prep calls, helping us get ready for the show. One time I threw him up there just to like it was freak funny. him out. Because, yeah, yeah, you probably like cussed me for the rest of that day. But here we are. Um, and can you guys hear that? They're cutting, they're cutting the lawn. They always cut the lawn during oh, the show. Why does he do that? Oh, he's, he's yeah, blowing he's the lawn. Crazy. He's giving my yeah, lawn a blowjob. a great job. opportunity. We should introduce Mikey as Richard Hart. No one would have known that. Dude, we need to get him a monogram suit. Yeah. All right. So, so before we actually get into the show, I actually do want to have uh, make kind of a serious announcement, and that is, um, unfortunately, so you guys will notice Clay is not here today. 
Um, Clay's not going to be here for a little while. He had an, an unfortunate tragedy happen in his family. So he's going to be out uh, for a minimum of a couple of weeks. So keep him in your prayers, guys. Uh, it was, it's been a very hard day for the or hard week for the, the Kilgo household. So keep him in your prayers. Um, yeah, just do that uh, because he's they're having a rough a rough go of it over there. And you know what? Just from like a personal standpoint like he called me yesterday his father passed away and and he called me yesterday when this was going on and like you know all i really want to say is like i know a lot of us are in crypto because we want to make a better life for ourselves and a better life for our families and i know you know i've been doing this for a little over five years and i can honestly tell you that like there's been a lot of times where i have neglected those people that i want to create a better life for in favor of trying to create that better life. And that is, that is backwards. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just reminded me that this isn't real life here. Like we're trying to get to, but the real life is out there. You know, the real life is what we do when we're away from the computer screen, at least from, from my perspective. So, um, keep, keep him in your prayers, man. Cause it can, it can change real quickly. All right. Um, that being said, we love you, Clay. Hope you and your family are doing okay, buddy. Um, Let's let's kick off on the debt ceiling. I think it all just seems so like minuscule compared to what I just said. But we are going to try and move into a show now. Uh, yeah. We have a good crew here, so let's do it. Corbell, take us away on the debt ceiling. So, what is to me? It just looks like you know that Shakespeare, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players, right? That's that's kind of what it feels like when I watch the debt ceiling negotiations. Because if you're you know if you're on the the Democrat side, you're like, ah, we're not giving any concessions. And if you're on the Republican side, you're like, we're coming for your children. And then, you know, they kind of strike a deal. And then you look at it and you're like, that deal only like shaved 50 billion off of yeah. uh, spending over the next two years. And like, uh, that's an account, that's a rounding error for the government. Like <laughs> there's mm -hmm. nothing there. You know what I mean? So like, can you actually break this down um, and, 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 you know, kind of explain what this means? Yeah. So, I mean, we're pretty all, I feel like we're pretty familiar with the debt ceiling at this point, but just a quick recap, you know, the debt ceiling is a way f for, a, it, was, <laughs> it was introduced in 1917 as a way for Congress to try and like be like smart about spending, but it's like backwards looking like they owe money and the debt ceiling is like, okay, we got to pay these debts, uh, but like we got to figure out like we should negotiate the budget now it essentially in, 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 uh, creates a crisis point um but generally uh budget considerations aren't really like a part of like the debt ceiling thing they're never really resolved in the debt ceiling because they pass they'll have like some rules in the debt ceiling but they'll just pass legislation going forward that will increase or decrease spending afterwards so now, these, and before we go any further, I just kind of want to clarify for everyone that every dollar in circulation, so the dollar is nothing more than representative of debt, right? Without yeah. debt, we don't have the dollar because every dollar in circulation is owed to the Federal Reserve plus interest, right? Mm -hmm. And that is kind of the cap or, or the rub, if you will, about the Federal Reserve is if they loan out every dollar plus interest, and every dollar is in circulation that's owed one to one back to the Federal Reserve, where does the interest come from? And the only way the interest can come from anywhere is through more 
money printing. And that's kind of the downfall of fiat currencies is, is we always spin out in this cycle. Okay. Keep it going. Corval. Yeah. So, so reaching the debt ceiling is like an inevitability, uh, because of that structure. Right. But the, the key thing about the debt ceiling, really what, what it practically is, it, it's cause it's not really generally used to actually change the budget in any significant way. It's generally used as a political tool. Like you have, we don't have any examples of, people having of us having a debt ceiling crisis where the house matched the president's party it's usually when there's a, a conflict between the two that we mm -hmm. see it used as a political tool but anyway uh lynn alden had a really interesting analysis on what the debt ceiling will practice like the the impact it will practically have on our economy uh once it is raised because it will Do you be have raised. her article can we pull yeah it up? i have her article here <clears throat> okay let's pull it up here um, so that people can see it as we go through it. Oh yeah. So well, let me let me back out a little bit here because I got it zoomed in a lot. All right. So basically, I'm gonna go through. It might get a little complicated here, so stop me at any point. So oh, we will. So basically, what's been happening since you know? Here's the short of it. Liquidity is at risk of severe tightening once the debt ceiling is raised. So that's bad for risk assets. It's all the, all the cash that's free floating around. It's going to get even tighter. So we all know, we've talked about on this show a lot, we've been in quantitative tightening since like March 2023, right? And there have been, that's the Fed raising interest rates, reducing the money supply that way. But on the other hand, you have the Treasury. And the Treasury, right, they... I don't, without getting too into it, their relationship with the Fed, the Treasury is the one that actually prints the money, prints the things that the Fed then sells, prices and sells. So the Fed's been selling stuff at a high interest rate, pulling money out of the economy. And on the other side, the Treasury has these obligations that they have to pay, right? You got me still? The, the Treasury is taking the taxes, and they're the ones paying out soldiers, government officials, pensions, all that sort of stuff. So when... I have this handy little thing here. So this is what, where we get the deficit, is where the treasury has money coming in. They have all the things that have to go out, but they have a big fat chunk that they can't pay for. So this is where they issue debt to the Fed to then sell. So mm -hmm. the Fed been pulling money out of the economy, right, doing their part. But because we're close to the debt ceiling, the treasury has had to pay this deficit out of their own bank account since the debt ceiling has been getting closer and closer and there's been no rise. So what this means is the, the treasury has a cash account where they hold cash just like you or I would, $500 billion roughly. And it's just been depleting, 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 or about $100 billion now. Um, they can't replenish this until they issue new debt because there's no other income stream coming in. There's no tax raise. There's nothing like that. So... What are they going to do when the debt ceiling is raised? When the debt ceiling is raised, they're going to try and replenish their cash account. And there's only a couple ways they can do that. Okay, wait, I'm going to back up a step. So I was saying how the Fed is tightening and the Treasury is spending out of this cash account. Those have like counteracting measures, right? Like if you're pulling money out of the economy with one hand and you're putting it out with the other hand. So we've had a kind of a stable liquidity situation in the markets while this has been going on. You guys with me still? 
Okay, cool. And, you know, I quit. I quit school <laughs> over algebra, college algebra, so don't expect me to follow along too much. Oh, God, here's what. Hold on, I want to. I have questions. <clears throat> I have questions. We're like H and R Block, right? I got mm-hmm. questions. You got answers. So, uh, if all right, so we've got this treasury in the in the account and the five hundred billion dollar limit, and okay, they 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 got debts they got to pay, so they're drawing down in the cash account. Okay. Mm-hmm. The way that they issue more debt is they issue more debt through treasuries, right? So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna put bonds on the market, which are seen as the, if you want to call it that, the safest place to park money, essentially in the world, uh, mm-hmm. because these are bonds of the United States government, the hegemony that has the ability to print the world reserve currency. Okay, mm-hmm. and so when it says that this gets raised on its face in the interim, this should be a relief for the market temporarily. It should be, but long-term or at least over the next, I would say quarter or two, how is it exactly going to suck liquidity out of the market? So they're going to issue these treasuries and then people are going to take their money out of the riskier assets and plug it into these treasuries due to the uncertainty in the market. Is that what, what the theory is? So there's a couple ways, but basically what needs to happen, right? What, what the, what the treasury is going to do is the treasury needs to fill up their cash account. And the only way for them to do that is to pull it out of the economy. They have to issue new debt to pull it out of the economy, right? So they could issue T-bills, they could issue bonds, they could issue, you know, they, 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 they could sell debt, right? Mm-hmm. But let's go back to this. This is what Lynn highlights as the potential options. So okay. what could happen, right? is the Federal Reserve could capitulate and begin buying treasuries. This is this is just like cash printing. This is where the, the Treasury prints money and then the Fed just buys it. So it's just money changing, just going between two separate <clears throat> ledgers, essentially. Now, this is really risky because this would cause inflation to go crazy, is what most people would think, right? That's generally how inflation goes crazy. Uh, we haven't done this since the 40s. But that was the last time federal debt to GDP levels were this high. This is what mm. Japan has been doing, uh, just buying bonds with above target price inflation. Um, so that's a lot riskier, right? The second option, and this would also still, you know, kind of like fuck up the... Well, no, this would increase liquidity in the markets, right? But it's the riskiest option for the government to do. The from, second a, from option, an inflationary standpoint, correct? Yeah, from an inflationary Obviously. standpoint. Okay. All right. And then the second option would be for the Treasury Department to issue T-bills to refill its general account rather than long duration bonds. So that'd be like saying, you know, I'm selling you an asset that appreciates like a 5%, like one in one month or whatever. Um, But that's way more expensive. That's a way more appealing option to buy as an investor and as like foreign banks and as like business, like just local banks. But it's extremely expensive. The, the treasury could do this and refill their their thing their their bank account gradually this is what i would think would be the most likely scenario um just personally just off of my gut feeling because it seems like the least to rock the boat um and the other option would be to encourage foreign buyers to buy treasuries with offshore dollars um this is really not likely because if liquidity gets tighter the dollar gets stronger and people don't want to buy a strong dollar. They want to buy a weak dollar and sell a strong dollar. You know, they want to buy low, sell high. 
So that's probably why, why does the dollar get stronger when liquidity gets tighter? Is it a rush to safe haven because the risk assets are now riskier or what's the dynamic with that? There's just less supply of the dollar to go around. So, you know, uh -huh. the demand is the same, but the supply is lower. So kind of, you know, we we're talking about the dollar milkshake theory, right? Like once, once right. The, the dollar really starts quantitative tightening, right? You can't really like, you still need to, to buy us goods and services you still need to buy oil you still need to do things with the us dollar but there's just less of them available so you have to pay higher a higher premium to get them so, so it's like all right so go ahead Fred. there they they spent all this time with this quantitative tightening trying to pull liquidity out of the markets you know all mm -hmm. this hard work all this pain and suffering mm -hmm. and then now there's like a shortfall in their cash account. So they're like, actually, we're just going to pull a bunch of money out of our asses uh, and undo all the work we just did. Does yeah, pretty well, much. SVB, though, SVB caused a depletion of this, no? Wasn't when Silicon Valley Bank oh, yeah, happened didn't and all of that shit? Wasn't mm -hmm. that like an acceleration of us needing to have this debt ceiling talk? Yeah, we've got, we've got a nice, uh, here we go. Is it this one? I think so. Yeah, so you can kind of see this uptick here. Like, the we had like inc liquidity increase in the markets after those banks collapsed because the treasury and just the government as a whole had to react to these banks collapsing by in like putting cash out to to cover their asses right mm -hmm. so we saw liquidity ironically increase uh basically what we've been seeing for the last like year and a half is you know we've had this tightening happening from the fed but yeah we've we've been kind of like uh wiffle waffle not wiffle waffling it's just been canceling out you know it's like dad dad is saying we're not spending any more money but mom is continuing is doubling her spending to cover mm -hmm. what what dad is not spending right so uh it's it's like evening out and it is i'm, I'm thinking of it from like a crypto perspective i'm thinking of it as like they literally are just like printing more because their treasury is 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 down they need to print more and sell and demand is still high for their tokens so they got to sell more to to get more funds to cover their their debts there's a silver lining to this though right and if i were to take a guess here's the guess that i would take um initially they would take option two which i think was to suck you know issue the bonds mm -hmm. suck liquidity out of the market which is an acceleration of whatever the next domino is to fall it's mm -hmm. it's accelerating that process however in the process of raising the debt ceiling they also are giving themselves the ability to print money right they are they are in fact giving themselves option number one even though that may not be the most popular one it may not be the the best one for inflation it may not be the one that politically makes the most sense mm -hmm. if something if something breaks and the debt ceiling does not permit you know quantitative easing like how are they going to do it right but now if if we get a, a raised debt ceiling and they break some shit and we might accelerate <laughs> moving towards that break now we're at the point to where okay well we done fucked up but we gotta we gotta get ourselves out of this and we yeah. can get ourselves out of a problem a lot quicker than we can tighten ourselves into it in my experience yeah uh, one of the things that i think about when i consider option two is it would just accelerate the next debt ceiling crisis like there would just be another one immediately uh or i mean it depends on how high they raise it uh, i think mikey was telling me in the 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 bill that they've introduced or it's been kicked around that they should just like 
just say like uh whatever <laughs> like we'll just pause our consideration of the debt ceiling indefinitely um which to me seems like just like a hand waving of it so who knows how high it would go um but yeah between all these options too it's kind of hard to predict uh because these are all like human decisions like it's up to yellen and like her staff to decide like what they're going to do um, right yeah but it isn't really. I mean, it's up to Congress, right? All of all of that has mm. to come from Congress at some point, no? I mean, Congress is deciding like what to spend, but I think the Treasury Department has license to decide like because of the mandate they have from Congress like how they're going to fund mm. it, like if okay. how they're going to fund the, the t like whether through T-bills or bonds. So the moral of this story, if there was one, uh is that we're experiencing more political theater to which We've we've gotten to the point of government shutdowns. Mm -hmm. Maybe in twenty in twenty eleven, did we get to the point of actual credit downgrade of the United States? I remember you know? the credit wasn't the credit rating for the U.S. AAA, and it got downgraded to AA as a result <clears> of like two thousand eight. I don't know if that happened in two thousand eleven, but well, twenty eleven we had a big a big government shutdown. It was under mm -hmm. Obama, I believe, uh, and yeah, there was some shit that went down in twenty eleven, but. Um, all right. So the the long and the short of it is we don't know which option they're going to choose. My guess is they're not going to choose option one until some until their feet are held to the fire. Mm -hmm. But the good news is it's not like option two is their only option. Option one is an option like and and at some point they're going to pull that out. And I guess the real question is, is inflation under control or not? And and it kind of it kind of makes me think back to, you know, what Balaji was talking about mm -hmm. in that at some point they're not going to have that choice you know something like the situation may be more grave than they're leading us on so i, I really really appreciate the uh the education yeah i hope this breakdown there. was helpful uh i have like a couple takeaways from this <clears throat> one well before i get to my takeaways the credit rating was downgraded in 2011 i do remember this i looked it up confirmed it wikipedia agrees august 5th s and the s p rated the, the uh u.s government uh double a plus as opposed to triple a which we'd always be triple oh. a i never uh, had a double a plus in my life bro if yeah. i got that my, my parents would probably give me money if i got a double a plus i got double a batteries which i'll need oh, oh my double a mco but remember, remember amco <laughs> it might have gone but basically the takeaway from all this information all this spiel is that there is a real risk of a liquidity crunch in the markets right and if that mm -hmm. happens risk assets are going to get uh btfo'd so you should be a little <laughs> conservative you should be a little you should a little wary you got to keep your eye on what they're going to do we'll probably cover it on the show if they decide to fund it with you know t-bills or, or bonds or what but it is a uh, it's not just good news that the 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 credit the debt ceiling is being raised. They, so go all in on meme coins is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> if that happens. So, all right. If, if you listen, if you enjoyed this for only $50 a month, you can join Corval's private discord server. Well, he will teach you all about the federal reserve and mustache shaving tips free. Yeah. That's I'll a, tell that's you a, anything. An added, I'll teach you anything. I'll teach you an all added bonus. for $50 a month. He will come to your house and cook you dinner. This man. All right. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, mm -hmm. all right. So I want to, I have a confession to make, and this is, I've been going down 
a rabbit hole. So I have been like spending some time in these meme corn telegrams. And I got to tell you, most of it is like the worst of the worst part of crypto. But I connected with a couple of Chinese guys in there who were using translate to talk to me. And then, you know, I was using telegram translate to talk back. And I said, dude, can you put me, cause I was very intrigued by them. Cause I was like reading what they were saying in a direct translation and, and like, to sell your bag, they say like cut the meat and like all sorts of different, you know, funny sayings that don't really translate that well, but you kind of know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And anyhow, I asked him if he could give me like a Chinese alpha group that I could get into and start reading. And, and I will tell you, these guys are fucking hype for crypto <laughs> and they move in force. And like, if one person with any sort of a name says, this is where we're going next, money flows and it's crazy. And, and one thing I did notice about them is that they like buying on the way up. And as soon as it starts going down, they're out of there. They do not play that game. They go to the next one. Um, and so this is an interesting segue because I've kind of been feeling my way into this and I've heard people saying, okay, well, you know, China seems to have a little bit of a bull run going on. There's some liquidity flowing around, but, but tomorrow we have Hong Kong officially, opening up their digital asset license. Uh, and this is for platforms to offer digital assets. Whoa, not at retail. Um, now this is not for retail traders. I need to make a correction. This is for accredited individuals, which I don't know what the accredited investor laws over are, are in Hong Kong. But, but the reason this is so important is Hong Kong is a Chinese territory, right? It has the same government as mainland China, which is the, the CCP. However, it's kind of like, like the Vegas, I don't know if I would call it the Vegas of, of China because they have Macau, but, but it's kind of like the testing ground. It's kind of like we're going to, you know, because Hong Kong is very westernized because up until 1996, it was owned by Great Britain. And then it went back, it went back over to China. So it's kind of got the best of both worlds. But, but I see this as a really bullish catalyst. And especially if China starts to publicly on mainland China ease what they're doing. And so Bebas, you did some digging into this, this, the whole, the whole Chinese bull run topic. What can you share with us? Yeah. So, um, in China, uh, money is getting progressively cheaper while in America money is getting more expensive. And we see the effects of this all over the place. We see, you know, American risk assets shrinking, American liquidity shrinking, books thinning, whatever. And then we see in, in China now, things are exploding and, and there's a lot more volatility. There's a lot more liquidity sloshing around. And, you know, just empirically, like when I talk to uh, a Chinese VC as opposed to an American VC, the former is like ready to shotgun infinite money anywhere while the latter is like, you know, his belt is tightened so tight that he, he can hardly breathe, um, which makes sense. I mean, this is what we're, you know, if you operate, especially in the startup space, um, you know, we're a lot more dependent on, on market flows and I'm sure a lot of us have been feeling it. So um, I'm going to try to share my screen and illustrate some of this stuff using graphs. Uh, Dude, everyone's getting smarter after today's episode, just so you guys are aware. Yeah, Clay, Clay has gone for one day and suddenly like every single uh, thing is just uh, wow. okay. There we go. Wow. Okay. I would be so, so proud. Um, I'm looking here at the China loan okay. prime rate. Uh, 
Um, you know, this is where a lot of my research drilled into. It's like, how much are people and businesses in China spending on money? How much did, what's their, what's their risk-free rate? What are banks earning? Um, China doesn't work exactly the same as the U.S. Like their currency, they kind of like signage arbit, like between a basket of other currencies, which is something that will probably require an entirely different conversation. But, um, you know, comparing this to, for example, um, you know, and, and we can compare this, uh, this is the U.S. loan prime rate. Um, again, it's not a direct comparison because money moves differently in, in the China and U.S. Um, but you can see, you know, as interest rates in the U.S. get higher and higher and higher, eventually it leads to like a massive market downturn. And, and you see here, like, oh, interest rates getting higher, higher, higher. We need to eventually do quantitative easing. And, and you can see here kind of the extreme hikes that we've been experiencing over the past several months. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff translates to, okay, market go down. Okay, market stagnate. Okay, market go down. Uh, and we all cry. Um, and, and in China, the opposite is happening. <laughs> so, um, you know, money being cheap has really, really huge consequences on an entire economy. So if you recall in 2021, people were throwing money everywhere. Valuations were sky high. And that's because you could not make enough money to sustain a business with T-bills or with even mortgages, you know. So people were taking on more and more and more risk. And a lot of that risk happens in equity markets. A lot of this risk happens you know, outside of the, you know, low risk, you know, secured lending or, you know, low risk lending markets. And uh, that's that's why we see demand for these risk assets go way, 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 way up. And that's what's happening in China is, you know, more more firms, more businesses, more funds are moving away from the low risk activities because they're becoming less and less profitable and they're moving toward uh, the, the riskier stuff. And you can see um, you know, while the, the grand chart doesn't translate as well, because, you know, when you're outside of the U.S., a lot of your interaction with finance is U.S. driven, you know, or, or possibly international driven. So while the Dow Jones industrial might paint a good picture of the world economy, the Chinese market does not. However, um, you can see something cool here is how volatile uh, Chinese stocks have been in the past year. Um, and, and volatility, you know, while sometimes as a consequence of, of illiquidity um, in, the, in the case of a shitcoin, um, you know, when, when money is cheap, a lot of it could be the volume of money. So the volume of money relative to the amount of liquidity. And, and there's more and more money flowing through these systems. Um, volatility is increasing. And what does that mean exactly? Uh, you know, I couldn't necessarily tell you, uh, but uh, uh, I think like if, if we take what we've learned as, as we've all become macro experts in the past year, as we've become pure geniuses of, of the economy, uh, I, I think we've learned that when money is cheap, uh, risk trades at a premium. Um, risk is more expensive. And when money is expensive, um, risk, you know, goes to the dirt because liquidity is is probably like the biggest factor when you're taking on risks like okay i'm going to structure this investment inside of this product is liquidity going to grow over the next 
five years or is liquidity going to shrink? If liquidity is going to shrink, then the outlook for that um, is, is much worse. And that's what we've been seeing in the US, liquidity shrinking, 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 money getting more and more and more expensive. And in China, we're seeing the inverse. So, um, you know, this could be like the us on the marionettes, like China and US constantly trying to one up each other, uh, constantly trying to battle it out on the economic stage. If you recall in 2021, China basically sat out of that party. Um, and now in 2023, while, while the U.S. is, you know, nursing its wounds, um, China's ready to battle. And yeah, uh, Chinese investors and Chinese VC deal flow, like way more powered up. And I will say, like with the dawn of large language models, with the dawn of AI, um, them being better capitalized than the U.S. could have long term consequences with regards to productivity. Um, so it's going to be cool to see how this plays out. Um, but yeah, that's, so uh, I have an idea. I have an idea for maybe tomorrow's show. Maybe we're going to have to do it next week because when I hear you talk about this, you know, if, if, if China's getting bullish, um, it doesn't necessarily translate to the entire overall market because, you know, there's obviously a battle that's being fought between the West and the East. But it may translate into specific narratives which are popular with the Chinese people. Like maybe it's AI, maybe it's, I don't know, gaming, maybe it's, I don't know, pantyhose on the blockchain. I don't know what it freaking is. But, uh, <laughs> but I think what we need to do for a show for next week is we need to find these Chinese alpha accounts, like the ones that are leading the charge for where the Chinese are moving their money. Because to get out in front of that, just because it's happening in, you know, Chinese lettering doesn't like like Twitter translates everything for you. You know what I mean? Like there, there's there's absolutely ways that we can get out in front of that. And so anyhow, um, I think I think that's a, a show idea that we need to do for the future. One one thing that I want to ask you, Bebus, is there's been a lot of speculation well, a few things. One speculation is that China has been kind of fudging their GDP for the last 20 years. But another thing is there, you know, so the yuan is still is still tied to the dollar. It's not pegged to the dollar like USDC. It's it's uh, valued in dollars. How many yuan does it take to equal one dollar? Right. Is, is essentially yeah. like most. Well, world currencies. It, it, it's actually valued based upon a basket of currencies of which. The U.S. dollar. So it, I think 12 or 18 different currencies. Um, the U.S. dollar is 19 percent of that basket. And um, that's the biggest weight uh, because the trade they do with the U.S. is that this basket is indicative of of trade volume. So mm -hmm. essentially what they do to try and regulate the economy is as this basket becomes imbalanced. So think of what we're talking about, the U.S. cash treasury. You know, the U.S. is a USD maxi. They don't give an F. They're like, oh, we're just going to stack our dollars. You know, it's like Ave mm -hmm. having only Ave tokens in their Stacking treasury sense. or whatever. <laughs> um, whereas, whereas China's like, okay, you know, we are an international player. You know, we can't get everybody in the world to adopt our currency. Unfortunately, we can't be the U.S. So um, what they do is they buy back Yuan um, with, with these currencies as, as the balance gets low. And then when the balance of yuan and their treasury gets high, 
they use it to to buy in the weight of all these other assets, uh, these these other global currencies. So honestly, like you think about it from a risk management perspective, you're like, oh, wow, that's you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the U.S. it's kind of like a levered up demon from hell. You know, uh, it's like, <laughs> you know, the most degen government ever and, and increasingly so, you know, and they're inventing like, you know, you think about the invention of modern monetary theory and, mm -hmm. and you know, the milkshake dollar theory. And it's like all of this academic monetary theory coming out of the U.S. is related to what if the U.S. just devalues the rest of the world economy yeah. um, by by printing money. Um, and, and then we have World War Three, Four, Five, and Six all in rapid yeah. succession. So yeah. really what I meant by it being tied to the United States dollar is if you go to Google and you type in the price of yuan, it's not going to show you that price in ruples. Mm. It's going to show you that price in U.S. dollars, right? Because it is valued in, even though it may be, it may, the underlying basket may only be 19% USD. Like if you say, how much is the British pound worth today? They're not going to give you the British pound versus the euro because that's not the main trading pair. The main trading pair is the British pound versus the U.S. dollar, right? And so mm -hmm. on the Forex market. And so for many people to transact in yuan because they're not holding yuan like Ave in their treasury, right? They're not holding the Chinese currency in their treasury. They're holding the world reserve currency in their treasury. So a lot of the time it still has to pass through the U.S. dollar. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so they, it's yeah. very difficult. Mikey, they, they're going to throw you in jail. They, I don't know what you're doing. You're already doxxed, bro. Well, Austin, I got your home just... address. Don't even think you're getting out of here. I know what you're doing. Austin, so that was really... all I was really saying. That's a really that, great that, point. Yeah, like the U.S. dollars, like liquidity abroad for like every trading pair is generally like the deepest, right? Like you're not going to trade, like you don't go from ruples to to yuan directly usually. You right. go to the U.S. dollar first. You think a tr order routing, right? When you go to like multi-chain yeah, exactly. you're bridging. You need one you gotta, inch you for this shit. Through like, like you wouldn't go from oath to, you know, grain well maybe you would with your beethoven pulls bad example you wouldn't go from like you know oath to, oath ave. to ave for example you'd have you'd go over to eth first and then from eth to ave because that's kind of yeah. the glue that binds it and that's what the u.s dollar is in that regard. that's kind of where the tightening of u.s liquidity internationally like <clears throat> a high dollar value would become kind of a problem for a chinese investor right. trying to access i mean there's other problems right other hurdles i'm sure like the limits the party imposes on you but uh, interestingly enough, we saw this news story. We were talking about it before. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but I got excited, dude, and you brought this up because I was thinking, <laughs> like, if you were a Chinese investor trying to get into crypto, right, uh, and you didn't want to go through the dollar because it's too expensive, you would just go, you would need a, a yuan-backed stablecoin, right? And we just saw the yuan-backed stablecoin guy got arrested. <laughs> they shut him down. Yeah, but this yeah. is so if you think about all right so let's take ave for example and a lot of people price ave versus the us dollar but it lives on on the ethereum blockchain we know that it's an erc20 token which means inherently its usd value is tied to the value of ethereum because mm -hmm. at its base it's it the real value is how many ethereum is ave worth why because the liquidity pools are made up of ave ETH for the most part, maybe some USDC, but I'll bet the biggest liquidity is going to be versus Ethereum. So if Ethereum goes up, the USD value of Aave goes up, even if Aave gains zero against ETH. And so my point is, even if the, even if they wanted to completely detach 
from the volatility of Ethereum, they would have a hard time doing that unless they just erased all the liquidity pools that paired it against ETH, right? Is kind of like you guys were pairing all of your stuff against stable coins because you wanted to depart away from the volatility of, you know, Phantom and, and the others like that. And so my point is the Yuan is still, it's still the Ave versus ETH and USD being ETH. You know what I mean? It's still inherently intrinsically tied to that because that's the currency that people will need. It may not be that way forever. Um, but, it, and really this is not my point. I heard Chamath talk about this on an all in, you know, weeks ago. And I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense when people are saying that China is really trying to depart away from the U S dollar they're going to have a harder time doing that unless they convince a bunch of, you know, a bunch of countries to hold their yuan in their, in their treasuries. So mm -hmm. that was really my only point in bringing that up. Sorry to get us off on a tangent there. I'm going to put my shades on though, because I like the way they look on camera. So we have to discuss something real quick before we get to our last topic. Uh, Multi-chain just put out a statement uh, 30 minutes ago. And this is really important because it, it clears some things up. So in the past two days, the multi-chain protocol has experienced multiple issues due to unforeseen circumstances, i.e. force majeure. The team has done everything possible to maintain the protocol running, but we are currently unable to contact CEO Zhao Zhen, which is ominous, and obtain the necessary server access for maintenance. This afternoon, there was an issue with scanning of the node network of router five, which affected the normal cross-chain service, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we've decided to suspend the corresponding cross-chain service for the effective chains on the UI. The affected chains are, I've heard of very few of them. Keck chain, public mint, dino chain, red light chain, Dexit. Who the freak are these people? Red light Fendora, chain. I've heard of only because uh, Flu was talking about it, but... So not a lot of chains. However, I think it should be noted that it sounds like they're very clearly saying Zhao Zhang got yoked uh, by the govs. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, unless the poor guy got in a car accident and died or something. But like, that's that's not good. And so, you know, it doesn't bode well for Phantom, uh, being that Phantom is all multi-chain. They're going to have to figure something else out. Hopefully they're being proactive in that regards. Um, because even like if you look at the bridges out of phantom well bridging the eth is pretty much empty you can you can still bridge to like bnb uh there's still you know money in the pools but listen if you're sitting with assets in a place and you just aren't feeling safe about that like check the pools check all chains check polygon check bnb you know check uh arbitrum whatever and you know, see where there's still money in the routers, and if there is, then you can bridge out. Uh, but it's it's an unfortunate update. Um, it sounds like multi chains going the way of the dodo bird eventually, and we're going to need some some replacements for that. And and I don't know how that's going to work for chains where multi chain owns the contract that minted those those tokens. You know, that's what I was, that's so. what I was going to ask. And like, what does that mean? And that's what I was going to ask you too. Like, you don't, but you don't know what it means. Like, I don't, I don't even know what it means. Uh, honestly, they would need, they would need a new stable on chain. Could that spell doom? That gets... Could that spell doom for those, 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 no. those uh, chains that were listed? I don't In, think, I don't chains. think so. I, I do it think it spells like devaluation. And like, while service is degrading, um, you know, the worst case scenario I think right now is like, 
assets get stuck because it's safer for them to turn off the routers than it is to try and keep service up. Um, mm -hmm. And at that point, it's it's anybody's guess when things might come back online. And, you know, if if they have a, a single person with administrative privileges over that server and that person is in a dungeon somewhere, um, you know, I don't think, you know, can you subpoena the Chinese government and, you know, take them to court? I don't know if that's going to be the easiest You can bribe them. SBF did it, yeah. you know. But uh, a question for you, Bebus. Like, okay, so Oath is multi-chain, and I know multi-chain owns those, you know, they minted on the other chains. What happens if, in the worst-case scenario, you know, there's no longer bridging and you've got a bunch of Oath distributed against a bunch of chains? Like, how does that work? Do you have, have you guys talked about that? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a contingency plan, which probably once we're off this subject, um, we'll, we'll kick into gear here. But um, essentially, because Oath is burn and mint, um, the Oath on every chain is real. Um, you know, the nice thing about multi-chain is, um, you know, they're migrating us control over the, the cross-chain assets, uh, exclusive control. And um you know there are steps we can take that don't require routers being up but mm -hmm. really like i think the end result of this would be maybe we need uh a different bridge provider in the absolute extreme case which i don't think will be necessary maybe we even need uh a new token and and i guess the nice thing is like uh you know that's not the hardest thing in the world. Um, a migration is painful yeah. and annoying. Where where the problems really come in are the lock and mint bridges. So think wrapped Bitcoin, think USDC. Um, I'm not. Sh I think USDT on some chains, not all chains, but anything where um, it's not the router burning an asset and minting it over here, like uh, with a decentralized messaging protocol. Um, anything that's not that is like. It's just a derivative on the other end, collateralized by one to one by these assets. And we saw the same thing with, you know, USDC is a derivative of, of the collateral base. And when that's under risk, boom, you know, within hours, uh, things can change. So um, it is problematic. I think uh, it definitely has like some fundamental, um, you know, blowback uh, and we're going to see how that plays out. Um, probably, you know, uh, in, in a minute here, we're going to um, start thinking about migrating. And it seems like, you know, server number five is probably their lowest prior priority server, uh, mm -hmm. seeing as all the chains on it don't have a lot of adoption. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I think with the signs of decay and without access to, to critical server infrastructure, um, you know, things will just continue happening because maintaining servers and adding redundancy is a continuous, continuous process. So, um, yeah, de-risking, I think, is is going to be the best hope that yeah. we have right now. And as far as Phantom goes, it's like, um, you know, uh, we, we've we've known all we've known that this was a risk all along. And now it's unfortunately manifesting. Um, yeah. So I think we just look for alternative uh, service providers, um, and and we think about you know how to manage risk throughout this situation. If I were in your shoes, JW, and this is just my own personal opinion, uh, USDC is definitely going to be one of the affected ones. If you're holding native Phantom, you're good to go, right? You can send it to an exchange. It is not 
controlled by multi-chain in what in any way shape or form it's very unlikely that the rewards that you're going to be earning from those lps are going to outweigh the risk uh, that you're going to be taking by holding that stable and so if i were i will encourage anyone that's holding usdt usdc or eth on the phantom network to either bridge to another network which you can still do on multi-chain or buy phantom and hold it on phantom network um, because you can always send that to Binance, Binance US. There's ton, you know, Kraken. There's tons of exchanges you can send that to and get out. Worst case scenario, you know, worst case scenario is the bridge to Phantom gets turned off, and nobody can bridge out, and that means everything depegs. That's just it. Bottom line, everything depegs. Your USDC goes to poopy doop. Die too, Mister Got Plenty. Thanks, appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> So uh, that's, this is, I mean, that's my personal feeling on it is don't, it's not worth the risk. You know, it's not worth the risk. Holding the base token is always fine. Uh, and on Phantom, that's Phantom. So, all right, we got to, uh, we got to move on to this last topic here. And this is kind of an interesting one. And I'll warn you guys, I'm going to have to go take a pee in about two minutes. So you're going to have to run on this one by yourselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, it's just me and Mikey versus the world, baby. Well, Beavis will be back. We got to talk about this. Oh, good. Richard Hart. Leave him up. He can yeah, be. Yeah, he's here. And, wait, why do we have two Mikeys and a Richard Hart? Oh, my God. What is happening? What's going on around here, dude? I can't. So there's been this strange phenomenon that's happening. And now a year, a year ago, if you'd have said anonymous people are just going to go on Twitter and they're just going to post an ETH address and they're just going to say, send me money. I'm going to launch a shit coin and millions upon millions of dollars would flood into these accounts. I'd tell you, you're absolutely off your rocker insane. You must be drunk or smoking crack. Fast forward to today. This is not only a reality, but it's prevalent and this has got to be a scammer's paradise. But Mikey, I want you to, if you could outline, you know, you're welcome to get into the Ben.eth if you want to. Of course, we should talk about him. But what happened with the OX Poly stuff? Uh, give me that breakdown. And I'll be right back. Talk amongst yourselves. Go Anyone your knows thing. where that's from, I'll give you a prize. I have Go no idea where the fuck that's from. <laughs> Something so, from the 30s? So, so, let, so let me, uh, you know, like, let me, let me talk to you people out there. All right. Why are let you sending... Why are you sending? You'll get you get nothing. ETH. That wallet currently has one point five million dollars in it. I'm not saying on the chat. I know people in the chat are too smart to do something like that. But the question remains: Why? It starts from, you know, if we if we know if we know Poly OX is on twitter he got his sort of like fame status for you know writing the coattails of writer rips this is this is not this, this is not is nothing no that that's not nothing no, no that, that's that's this different one? this one no no okay these are the ones you sent me i'll just take them well, off right. I'll, I'll get well i'll get to that eventually so, look, give me the cue when you're ready sorry my bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. it started with it started with um three overick dot eth he asked yesterday early in the morning my time he asked for people to send him money for an iphone and this is a guy with a lot of followers on twitter 
um, and people have seen his wallet, and he has a lot of money. But people sent him ETH to his ENS address, 3-O-Overick, I'm pretty sure it is, dot ETH. Mm-hmm. And then Polly was like, yeah, okay, well, send me money too, to an address that you get nothing. You get nothing.eth. And he's still posting about that just 15 minutes ago. He's still, toast- he's still posting about it. That wallet address has 1.5 million e- uh, uh, dollars worth of ETH in it. And my question to the panel is just if you why would you because if you look at the wallet and the transactions that are going in it's people are sending like 10 bucks 15 bucks two bucks worth of eth when gas is gas actually isn't that bad right now but it has been what are you expecting out of this like are you expecting some type of coin to to come out of this sort of uh you could call it a pre-sale or you know, like he's literally saying, "You get nothing." We got to talk about this. Hold on, we got to we got to dive in. Oh, right, we got to dive into this shit. So, none of this would be possible without Ben All right, so we've got yeah. to go back to Ben the original dude who you know put up an address on his Twitter and said, "Hey, send some money here. You'll get into a shitcoin presale." Sorry. That shitcoin presale happened. No, Ben. Oh. Ben was- Oh, first, even I right, believe. Right. right. Uh, and and what ended up happening, the reason that Ben did well, if you go look at that chart, it was, it did absolutely nothing until BitBoy tweeted about it. And then, you know, a million people saw it and, and here you go. And it was interesting uh, because like afterwards, when he started to do PSYOP, he started saying, well, look at how well my first one did. And I'm sitting back here going, bro. You didn't have much to do with that first one doing well. Uh, the guy with the big Twitter account had a lot more to do with it than you did, pal. But he launched a second one, and it was absolute like he got like seven million dollars or something fudging stupid. And then he did a third one, and he got like another. I don't know. He's got like eighteen million dollars sitting on that account right now. Eighteen million dollars. What? There's even a new one. There's a new one finale <laughs> no that's not his though the, the final he said that he was going to ape into the lp to his. okay all right there, and and you know there's there's so bottom line like these rapid fire token issues are they're a recipe for for a crash first of all um for to be successful at least in my opinion you've got to one up your prior success and if you don't you're not a success because people are expecting that level of, you know, multiples on their money. I am of the opinion that this is definitely like, it's, it's not great for our industry. It's not something we can control. Um, It's something that dude, if the market is there, then, then, you know, the market will fill it uh, basically. But so, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no. So, so my thing is like, I can't be mad. I, I am mad. Like, why are you sending this dude that rode the coattails of Ryder Rips? If you don't know who that is, he's the guy that basically... I don't know who he is. Ryder Rips is the guy that minted the entire Board Ape Yacht Club 
collection again and did that whole thing. And I don't know what that and, means. And Polly was, <laughs> hopefully he minted it again. What do you mean he minted the whole collection again? What does that even mean? Yeah. So under the <laughs> under 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 the under under the guise of like um you know like what does IP mean? You know, like his right. whole thing, like, oh, like you know, because like Ryder Rips and everybody went, they, they have they have a court case between Board Ape Yacht Club mm. and, and the Ryder Rips collection. Okay, so he he, and, and the Ryder, he stole the their Rips, he stole their shit, right? And the Ryder Rips point of view is like, oh well, you know, like it was all computer generated. There's no human involvement at all in this. So yeah, I did the same thing. Literally, Yuga Labs is going to win that though. Obviously, right? Oh, of course they will. Of course they will. Of course they they're going to crush that dude. But, but, okay, but, so, so so you've got a guy that stole he stole artwork to enrich himself, and then you drill down to the next level of scumbag. You got the guy that rode his coattails to get his own level of fame. So the scammer, I rode a a an art stealer scammer's coattails to get fame. Here's my address. Boom, a million dollars goes into it. What kind of fucking and, clown world are we living in right now? Exactly. And if you ask, if you ask Ryder, um, he'll say that he was proving a point, right? With the whole IP situation and, and what does that mean for blockchain? It's very, it is quite interesting. We'll not get into that right now. But, but so, you know, this Polio X guy, like he, he is named in the lawsuit. Like he's not anonymous. Hmm. People know him. his name's Jeremy. Jer Jer Jeremy or Jeremy? Like I didn't watch my hair. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> By the way, it was it was man, he's Jeremy. <laughs> Anyone that said coffee talk, Mike Myers, Saturday Night Live, you are correct. That's who that was. Do Mr. Got you win my get the prize, dude? You win Jeremy, my love Jeremy, and adoration in perpetuity. Jeremy Cahen, known as Polly Zero X on Twitter. He's been named. Un, right? He's not an okay. So what did he so, do so, wrong, dude? Well, I just well, okay. What oh, so my wrong. What did he do wrong? He said, send me 20 bucks and people send him 20 bucks. No, exactly. So, so, so my, original point, my, my original point was I can't get mad at that because that's what crypto is, right? That's what block, that's what Bitcoin is. That's what ETH is. It's peer-to-peer -peer transactions, right? Like send me any money you want, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. are they donations or are you promising are you insinuating that you are going to eventually make everybody rich? Which is what when you look at when you look at the wallet transactions for you get nothing.eth, people are sending them 10, 25 bucks with the because they think that he's gonna eventually produce a token that he hasn't he's not talked about. Hmm. Well, people people this are is the world we're living in. I just think it's crazy. Like, like so is this, this is like would, a, you, would you ever set would you ever send an would you ever send any but an influencer? Life. An influencer. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You want me to send you ETH for a product? There's already marketplaces for that. Those are called NFTs, buddy. Like I will say, like, oh, I, I want to send you ETH and I get something in return. Those are NFT marketplaces. Mm. Support support creators. Why are you sending an influencer on crypto Twitter? I don't know. It's like the version of giving them a tip. Just the tip. Just the tip, sir. All right. So, uh, Psychopath, apologies. I, I'm not actually familiar with uh, the XBTC thing. I will say this. So, this is something interesting. You know, the SEC has never brought a case against a meme coin. 
Now that's not to say it will never happen because it's clear that Ben.eth, like, you know, there's a lot of applicability there, I would say. Um, but, but they don't, you know, they like to go after the ones that are actually building. Uh, they like mm -hmm. to go after the ones that are trying to make tangible products, you know, and there's a lot of like stocks that are considered meme stocks also. And they're an interesting, like, I would say they're an interesting gauge for what direction the market is going. If you guys remember back in 2021, I mean, Doge and Phantom led that and, you know, up until Phantom released their network, they were damn near a meme too. Uh, and so... Like I feel like this is like different from a meme token or anything because the, the implicit in like the concept of a token issuance, like I'm giving you a token is the idea that there is like a value attributed to this thing. But from my understanding, this guy just posted his ENS and was like, just send money to this address. Like you could, that, that's no different than panhandling. That's no different than a guy just being like, yeah. give me money. Just give me money. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think, I, I don't think he didn't. I think he, what I'm he did was myself, he exposed the I wish state. I had thought of it first. Well, yeah. as soon as you launch Corval coin, like do your presale that way, bro. Why don't you do it? I mean... Uh, no, because then it, don't, I mean, I'd don't tie us into that shit money without any explanation. Probably didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you'll be you'll be screwed. You know they got they got an FBI office over there in Jacksonville. They'll be coming knocking on your door in like 10, 10 minutes. Oh, you start no. doing that. that shit. That's the other thing. Oh. My my, my it, it, you know if I put my tinfoil hat on, Poly Zero X is Ben ETH, and this is all what? one big psyop. No way. Oh, so you're out of your goddamn mind. Holy shit, Mikey, that might be it. It's all one giant guy. I put my tinfoil head on. Has nobody heard Polly on Twitter Spaces yet, though? Does the guy never go on Spaces? Because Ben, we've heard on Spaces. Like, the dude's drunk all the time. You know, Paul, I've heard Ben on Spaces. Or, or, I don't know. Or, I don't is know. That, is that not the same person? They're working in the same group. That's my tinfoil head. And it's one big side. All right. Right. we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up uh emmett can you throw richard hart back on the screen richard thanks so much for joining us on the show today i really appreciate you coming on and your opinions and everything it's just been a real pleasure having you on the show <laughs> i cannot i cannot we got to get the hell out of here guys thanks for tuning in what are we talking about the debt ceiling i feel like you guys have enriched my life with the information today mikey Drop your ENS up on up on Twitter. Let's see what I we can see, let's see. What we can I do. see risk .eth. Someone buy that from me, please. It's pay Mikey's monthly Tinder fees. That's all he needs. Just pay I'm enough. Actually, to... I'm banned from Tinder. Actually. Oh God. Now, see, I was trying to end the episode, and I can't now that you've told me that shit because I really need to know why. I'll ask you. I'll ask you privately. This we can't. We can't keep doing this. All right, everyone. My name's Austin with Block Bites. With me, as always, the mustache, Mr. Corval, Justin Beavis, Mikey, the intern. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. And uh, Emmett, how about you take us out today since Mikey's on the screen? Later, boys.